Here by the Owl podcast is a podcast for owlets and wise owls alike. Join hosts Nikki Fiddle-Eye-Doll and Brianna Briegel along with rotating owls from across the country as they discuss what it takes to advise from time to time. Our podcast is fueled by the true knowledge from empowering agricultural education instructors and ripen with the wisdom you will never learn in a textbook. Welcome back to another episode of Here by the Owl podcast. Today, Nikki and I are so excited to share some of the fun things that we have been doing in our classroom lately and things that we've been kind of starting off the year with to get our students excited about being back in school. So Nikki, why don't you start with um, one of your wildlife ideas? Yeah, so I, I really wanted to do something with my wildlife natural resource students uh, you know, we always learn about deer and, you know, we do antler scoring and I really wanted to like take actual deer photos with game cams. So um, our friend William had just done this activity and I like reached out to him to get some guidance because I, I it's been on my bucket list to do in that class, just never got it off the ground. So in the show notes, you'll have a link to the plan that uh, that we used. I also included some pictures, but basically you're making PVC deer feeders, which was really cool. You know, get your, your wildlife natural resource kids out in the shop, um, learning some PVC skills, which was really cool. And then they spray paint them like camo, and then we're going to put them out. Um, we, we haven't put them out yet. So we, I mean, they, they're almost done being painted and then we'll be putting them out. So it uses a five foot piece. I used a five foot piece of, uh, like just PVC. We used, um, we use a mixture. So the fittings were all like the white PVC that's used for like plumbing. Um, and then we use black PVC for the big pipe like sewage PVC because it's cheaper. You need to go with four inch PVC at the lowest. I really wanted to use six inch PVC, but the price exponentially grows from four to six inch PVC. We, and I wanted to make four of them because we're putting them, we're putting one like in our community and one of my students' backyards, he really wants one back there and a game cam will go there. We're putting one at my um, farm in like a coulee. And then we have two others that are going north of the community um, on my brother-in-law's um, place. So he has some like river bottom land that gets a lot of good deer. The reason why we're splitting them up is that number one, I wanna make sure that if we're gonna get skunked and get no pictures, that's not every feeder. So by spreading them out, we should have a chance of getting some pictures. And I'm hoping my kids can kind of like compare like the location, you know, are we seeing like the same deer coming in um, at some of these game cams? Is there a variety? Is there a size difference, male, female? So I kind of, by, by putting them in different parts of our community, I'm hoping to see like a variation so the kids can start to make some observations that way. Um, but then you use like a cap fitting on the top uh, that doesn't get glued. 
Uh, that way you can open it up and fill your feeder. We're just using corn. Uh, if you have peas, things like that, um, they really like that too. But so that just um, gets capped. It also makes sure that you don't have rain um, get into your, your feeder and wreck your grain. Then it comes down to a 45 degree fitting that gets glued. The top gets glued to uh, the pipe. The bottom um, has a uh, male end that goes into it and gets glued. And that actually has a screw cap on the bottom. That way you can easily unscrew it, clean out your deer feeder. And obviously the other part of the PV, the 45 degree PVC, that's where they're gonna put their noses in to get the feed. Um, so we made four of them. I split my class into four groups. Uh, some kids had worked with PVC before, others hadn't. I didn't spend a lot of time talking about PVC, um, just the basics and they put it together. Then they took brown and green and uh, different, different greens, different browns, blacks to make like a camouflage type color. Uh, so that way when we hang them up, they're not like bright white. Um, although William did his that way and they didn't paint theirs and he still has deer come into them. So our plan is within the next week is that they'll go up, we'll fill them and we'll put the, the game cams out. And for about 14 days, they'll sit there, deer will come, hopefully, uh, and we won't take any data. I'll go back out there at like day 14, 15, collect all the SD cards, clear them off, make sure everything's got fresh batteries, fresh SD cards. And then at that date, we're gonna take actual data for like a week or so. Um, that way it just has time to sit. Um, you know, we don't get no pictures for a, a while because, you know, we we added this new thing to their environment. Um, so we're hoping that way that allows us to get some good photos. After that, we're going to collect the photos in each group. We'll take the SD card from their feeder and then they'll be able to do some some data collection um, and some surveying of deer. We're hoping to maybe I don't know, talk about like deer aging. I know aging is really hard to do by a photo but I have some curriculum that I got from one less thing that I'm kind of using uh, to kind of guide me through that. So I'm hoping we can at least have a conversation, even if we don't think we can like nail down the exact age of a deer by the photo on the game cam, we can still say like, okay, this game cam at Miss Fiddledye's house has a deer that's older than the one in town. Um, so they can just make some observations uh, using the skills that we've learned in class because prior to this we've antler scored and then we're also gonna do jawbone um, aging and then just like aging of um, like what do, what do bucks look like in different stages of their lives. Um, and so I got some really nice posters from One Less Thing. Uh, they have a deer uh, curriculum that I purchased. I haven't dug into all of it, but I've used some of the resources and I, I've liked it so far. Obviously modified it to work for me, but it's at least given me some I don't know, guidance uh, to make the project work. So that's one of the projects I, I'm excited to share the results. Um, so I'm hoping that we can add some more resources into the resource folder uh, as that continues, like some pictures of once we have it up um, and all that stuff. So I'm excited to do it. Uh, I'm thankful, you know, my brother-in-law had four game cams that he's allowing us to use. Uh, and I mean, but 
if we didn't, I was, you know, going to look at grant money to see if we could purchase a few, we maybe wouldn't have done four then. Um, but I'm excited to give it a shot. Like my kids are really into this kind of stuff. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully it works. I mean, what do we have to lose? Um, and I have been contacted now that some people have heard that we're making these when we're done, they're wanting to buy the deer feeders. So I'm excited because if that happens now, I can still in two years when I teach the class again, still teach kids the PVC without having all these deer feeders laying around and it will offset our costs. So they'll, they'll pay for the cost um, of the supplies and then we don't have to, we don't have to worry about um, that part of it. So yeah, so that's what we're currently doing. Um, we have two projects running right now, but that's one of the ones we're currently doing. So I'm excited to see how it, how it works out, but um, and you are sharing about your dogless dog show, right? Right. Yeah. And kind of with your deer feeder thing, I was just going to say like a lot of times, like just posting it, if you have like a chapter Facebook page or a school Facebook page or something, posting out that you're looking for these things, or I think yeah. I would even, can we put, you know, maybe we want to put the deer feeder at your, like whoever's in town's house, um, like a supporter or whatever, if they have a camera maybe they wouldn't want to loan it out to you, but maybe they would be okay with putting it in a deer feeder at right. their house or something like that. Um, a lot of times I think people are willing to help your chapter, but they wouldn't think of like, oh, I could loan out my, yeah. you know, cameras or whatever. Um, well, there's, there's so many, there's so many um, people in your community that they don't know how to help. Maybe they don't have the time to help by like coming to an event or you know whatever but this is something that they can easily do because they have the the equipment the supplies and they might even have the know-how too so you know maybe those are the people that kind of help you look at those photos when you're done and they might even want those photos so if it's at their land like I know my brother-in-law is going to be very interested to look um to look at them and he's just been so excited to like help us with this project um which has been really nice because I mean I know people have those people in their community they're so busy, but something simple like this, like they will bend over backwards. So it's been really fun to like talk to him about it. And um, unfortunately my kids aren't gonna get to take them out there because where they're going, like I live 30 minutes away, you know, and he lives about 15 and then into the land that we're gonna go into that we just don't have the class time to do it. We're hoping to do the one in town at a student's house to have the kids get to go set that one up. But if it doesn't happen, basically they're, they've done the bulk of it because they've made the feeder. The part they'd be missing out on is like literally putting the feeder, like strapping it to a tree, strapping it to a pole and putting the game cam up, which you could replicate, replicate into your classroom anyway. So yeah, I mean, reach out to your, your supporters, I'm sure. I'm sure there's somebody out there that has something um, for you to use. So, right. Yeah. There's been a lot of things that I've posted and people have been like, sure. I have a backpack sprayer you can use that. Like they would never have thought that we would need it right. or, you know, pot, empty pop bottles or shoe yeah. boxes or whatever, like you ask for it. And usually people have it. They just never would have suggested it because it's not right. like the typical thing that they would think you needed. Yeah. And they like are more than willing. And then after that, they'll always think about you. Like, 
sometimes I have so many shoe boxes <laughs> that I can, but I don't want to throw them because we always do a project with shoe boxes and we're going to use them. But those people then will constantly think of you and collect things. And it's, it's just so nice. Um, and it gets them involved and they, you know, a simple thank you, or, you know, when you post it online, you know, thank the person that donated those things and that's all they want. Um, they're, and, and then if it's things that they would have thrown away, they feel good not throwing it away. Like it's going to something. Uh, so yeah, but so that's the PVC deer feeder activity. If you do something like this in your classroom, in your wildlife natural resources class, and you have a good way to like modify this, change this, you've got some good results, share with me because we're, we're making this up as we go. Um, and yeah, I'd be interested to see kind of what information that you've gotten from your game cams as well. But Brianna, why don't you talk about your dogless dog show? Yeah, so the dogless dog show activity was actually one that I had gotten from Nick, from Nikki. Um, I got off of, where did I get it? Aga Discussion Lab? Or no, this might have been from Communities of Practice so many years ago. Like, I don't even know who created it. I think it was an Ideas Unlimited from somebody. Not even from our region, I think. So whoever you are out there, you're a rock star. Uh, and thank you for letting us take and modify your activity. Right. I know. I wish I knew whose it was originally too, but um, so I'm using it in my wildlife class this semester and we're in the process of it right now. So we're not done with it, but essentially what it is, is my students each picked a different sporting dog breed. And when Nikki did it with hers, she did the scratch paper lottery. So each kid picked out three different um, pieces of paper from a bucket or trash can or whatever she had and then they got to choose the one that they wanted to do from those three um, basically so that no student would be doing the same thing same thing with my kids um, I just let them pick um, because I wanted them to get a little motivated some of them have sporting dog breeds so they wanted to do their you know personal dog breed and I was okay with that um, but none of them are doing the same thing then they have to research about that sporting dog breed and come up with like a presentation of some sort that answers all the questions and we'll include that in the show notes too. But they do have to obviously do some research behind it. So they're learning about that breed. And then they actually make a true to size or life size cardboard cutout of that dog. And they, um, we're gonna be doing that next week where they actually are painting it, the colors of what that dog would breed and try to make it look as lifelike as possible. And then we'll actually have um, a dog show where those students will introduce their dog breed. We're going to have judges that come in and ask questions to see how much those students know about the dog breed. Um, I'm really excited about it. My kids have gotten into it now that they have been able to, like I said, pick their own breed and, and do all of that. I'm excited to see how the different like cutouts are going to look like, but some of the different ways that I thought you could modify it. Now I'm doing it with my wildlife class. Nikki did it with hers as well. Um, and I have sophomores through seniors in that class but I also thought if you're teaching like a small animal care class um, or even a unit with your younger kids um, you could definitely have them do any dog breed um, you could do cats thinking about like in a livestock class or a livestock unit you could have them do rabbits or poultry or cows or horses maybe not life size for those ones but um, a lot of different ways that you can modify that to make it exciting for your students. Nikki, do you have anything to add about how maybe you've done it, um, different things that you've 
done in the past with it? Um, I, this was only my second time doing it. My first time I, I kept it pretty, I mean, it's a cool activity, but I kept it pretty like to the basics because I was working through it, but this is my second year doing it. And I like spice it up when I introduce it and they do their dog research. I, I say nothing about the dog show. Um, so they only know that they're doing a, like research on this dog. And so then they do a PowerPoint and talk about their dog. Um, and in there they have to include like, yeah, like the height and, and information about it. Some of them have like really funny names, uh, which is always great because then the kids are like looking up how to say it. Like the Quaker Hunja, like, I only know how to say that because we looked it up and had to say it a million times. Um, like, yeah, I think it's the Netherland Quaker Hunja. Um, but then after they've done the research, presented it, we, we look at the dog shows. And so I still don't mention that they're going to do a dog show. We just watch a dog show off of YouTube and I have them, um, like on a sheet of paper, take notes about the environment, because if you have kids that have shown before in the classroom, I don't know, dog shows are different than a cattle show ring. Um, and you'll have students that have never shown. So I just have them take notes about the environment. What do you see? Uh, what do you hear? If you were there, like what senses do you think, you know, like, do you think there'd be smells? Um, like, look at the colors. Uh, what do you see in the ring? What do you see in the audience? And so they just take a bunch of notes and like, well, you kind of debrief that. And it's really cool to see like what they come up with. And they look at like the dog and they look at the behavior of the you know, the person running the show, they look at the behavior of the dog owners. Um, we watch this whole show. Okay. That's always fun. Then after that, like I break the news that they're going to be doing a dogless dog show. I mean, cue all the eye rolls because at this point they're like, can Ms. Phil like come up with anything more ridiculous? But yeah, they create it. And here's my tips for you. You might want to set some parameters. Like for example, my first year, I never thought to myself that I'd have to say, no, you can't shave your dog at home and use that hair on your pretend dog. Um, so, I mean, take, <laughs> there's some caution there. Uh, so now I mention that like, hey, you cannot like cut real hair off of an animal that you have not, you don't have permission. <laughs> um, but we get all kinds of things like we'll go ask uh the janitors for like old mops that they're just gonna throw away like they're clean but they're you know uh and they'll cut those up and use them yarn I mean like it's so fun to see and they have to like it's they have to make it look like a standard breed and so we talk about what a breed standard is and why like why does the dog need to look like this well they know some of that information because they've already done the history of it that information helps them with the judges. So this year I brought in real judges. Um, we went out into the like gym and they, we had a show ring. We had a winner's circle. We had a cardboard um, trophy. Uh, so much fun. Um, and I even, I have a good friend that works at the school and she was the MC. So like the kids, one of their assignments was they had to write up what they'd walk into because that was something they noticed when watching the dog show is that they talk about the dog as they're running in. So the kids actually had to write that up for themselves. And she like, she announced that, like she wore a jacket and 
oh my gosh we had so much fun with it but yeah uh and you know the winner gets something and we I had a chest where they had their prize in there I don't know uh but it was really fun they think I'm nuts but I Brianna like you said I think you can easily modify this and maybe you make it a livestock uh event and maybe that's how you expose some of your students to um how do you how do you handle being in a ring you know what do you do with your animal and no it's not going to be perfect and you know exactly like it is in real life but it's still fun I don't know well and I would say too like before you're listening to this and saying my juniors and seniors would never Nikki and I are both teaching junior or I have sophomores through seniors in this class Nikki has juniors and seniors and they're excited about it like yeah. I mean I will say like there's some kids that, and I make them like they got to run in they get bonus points if they dress up as well so like if they dress up like in dress clothes because they noticed everybody running a dog in the show ring all is dressed up they get bonus points so I had kids change before the show into dress clothes like some kids get really into it but then you're gonna have some that they don't know they don't change and they maybe speed walk instead of run you know but they still answered the questions for the judges. They still showcase their learning. I mean, if I asked them to write down their favorite activity, that probably wouldn't be one of them. But I always tell them what your favorite activity is, isn't going to be somebody else's and vice versa, which is why we do like a wide variety of things. Um, but they do it and they made some great dogs. Um, they had some fun. Right. So, well, and I think too, like, your juniors and seniors like having fun too. Like they're still yeah. kids. Um, I can also think if I did this with my seventh graders, I can think of specific seventh graders that would absolutely hate it and they'd be too cool for it. So I think no matter what age group you do it with, like you're always going to have those kids that are like, oh, this is so lame. But if you make it fun, if you make it um, a big deal and have an announcer and they get, you know, dress up and all those kinds of things, I think your students will get really into it too. Yeah. And, you know, if you are doing this, maybe in a vet science class instead, you can, you don't have to do sporting dog groups. That's what Brianna and I did. Cause we did it in our wildlife natural resources class. Um, but you know, you can pick a different dog group, um, to do and, you know, maybe, maybe the kids get to choose and vote which dog group. I mean, you can, you can have some fun with it. Maybe save some of those cardboard cutouts. And then that's how you teach uh, you know, how, um, like the different views of animals, like, um, like the anatomy or oh, yeah. Terminology directional. Or, yeah. Terminology. I'm like losing my words. So, but yeah, like directional, thank you. Directional terminology, you know, that now they use their cardboard cutouts to, you know, decide where the directional terminology is. Awesome. Maybe you, you, put on their paws some straws and some yarn and now you teach them how to clip nails like I mean have some fun with it so and you'll be surprised some kids are so artistic so I love that I love that about the dogless dog show is you'll be surprised at how good some of these turn out um for just being cardboard dogs <laughs> but the judges had so much fun like wait, I think maybe a little more fun than the kids. Like one was a, uh, she teaches kindergarten. So, you know, she can go along with the craziest things. Cause that's literally her job every day. She was like, oh my gosh, 
your dog is so well behaved. We had an elementary class walk through in the middle of it. And she's like, you must have really spent a lot of time training. Your dog didn't even notice those kids. And the kid was like, yep, yep. So it's just so funny. Like, I don't know. And you're going to love it. So just do it with your kids. You're going to love it. Modify it to what you need it to be. Like maybe you do rabbits, you know, maybe that's a big thing in your state. Um, and you show rabbit cardboard cut out rabbits. I don't know. So I love it. Um, and I, and I love that it could be done in so many different ways. So I'm excited, Brianna, to see how your kids turn out. Yeah, we're finishing up this week and then, um, we'll probably present them either Friday or Monday, depending on. Yeah. And if you can't get judges, have virtual judges. I mean, set up a, a couple computers and get some ag teacher friends and, oh, they'll go along with it, you know? So, yeah. And I just sent out an email. Like, that's all I did was like, Hey, um, I like, we have this event. I need some like celebrity guest judges. That's what I always call my judges, celebrity guest judges. All you got it. Like, you just got to have some fun play along. The cooks were some of my judges, this elementary teacher, they had seriously a blast. They would not stop thanking me for letting them come. They got clipboards with like little sheets to fill out. They got serious. Like at one point they were like, we need to bring like the top winners out for another round. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know how much time we have left. So they brought these top kids out and, um, then they got up off of the judging table and they were like walking around looking at the dogs and the kids kind of had to like stand like they did. They had to think about what did the owner do in the dog show. And so some of them like held their nose up, pretend like they were giving them treats. Like it was, it was hilarious. It was comical. So um, if you're virtual, like this is really sad. Like we can't do this. Why can't you? Like maybe don't do dogs because like that's bigger, but maybe you do a small animal, like Brianna mentioned, like a cat, maybe you do a, a, a bunny, they can cut that out and show it virtually, I don't know, have some, have some fun with it, so um, your kids would love it, I just know it, but yeah, Brianna will, will share some pictures later, um, and in the show notes, we have a bunch of materials, uh, so make sure you just, yeah, so if you're your sitting own. here listening to this on you know, Monday morning when it comes out and you're thinking, I still need an activity for today or tomorrow because been there, done that. <laughs> Go ahead and implement it. Like everything yeah. you need is right there. It is. And if you're like, oh my gosh, they have all these resources and they've explained it, but I still have some questions, like reach out, like we'll answer your questions and we will not be offended if you're like, hey, I need these answered now. Like we've been there we've done that. That'll also be me. You know, I have Monday off, so that'll be me Monday night when I'm like, okay, I should have done something all weekend and I didn't. So yeah, I mean, we're just here to help. And you have to know and understand that sometimes we create things and we understand them and they're really not put in a format for others. Um, I think ag teachers get that. I don't know. So yeah, we're here to help you. And Whoever created this, I've tried to go back and find it and I can't find it. So whoever you are out there, you are a rock star. This was like the epitome of what an Ideas Unlimited needs to be. Um, so way to go for you for sharing um, your Ideas Unlimited with the world because look at it, it's impacting so many people. So one day I'll figure out who it was. 
Um, okay, and then the last activity also came from Aga Discussion Lab. Uh, I should have creeped and seen who did it. I don't know, it's been shared so many times that I wonder if it's even the initial person anymore. Do you know, Brianna, who did this big buck challenge? I don't remember. It's, yeah, I always feel bad because I see all these awesome things and then never like write down who did it. Yeah, I'm not gonna know who it is. I don't know. The, somebody on Aga Discussion Lab, I just searched it. And of course I'm getting like people commenting, you know, so it's not the original, it's not the original poster. Is that technical term? Poster, <laughs> whatever. Um, but it is a STEM big buck challenge. I'm gonna try one more time. I'm not gonna be able to find it. Was it Corrine? Corinne, if it was you, please like reach out to us. Um, right. Or if you're listening to this and it was your idea, please call us out. Comment on. Yeah. Our I want to say it's Corinne. And I think she says it's W-A-S-C-H-E-R washer from Illinois. I think it was hers. I'm not sure. If it wasn't yours, Corinne, I know you've done it. So um, who knows whose post I saw? But basically I did this two years ago. This is my second year. So already I see some improvements, uh, but it's a STEM big buck contest. So I bring in antlers, um, typically whitetail. I'll get some mule deer. We'll compare and contrast about how can we tell the difference? The anatomy of an antler um, and you know, like what are tines? Um, what's typical, what's non-typical? And, and we talk about those things. Um, and then we score some. Now, if you want to do antler scoring in your classroom, know that the antler has to be connected to the skull because part of your measurements have to come from the spread um, between the two main beams and the, the point to point spread. And you can't get an accurate measurement if they're not connected to the, the skulls. I have been putting out things on Facebook for a long time saying, hey people, I need old antlers. They don't need to be like these big wall hangers that somebody's got as a trophy. I've had kids bring those in. Yes. I hesitate because, you know, when they're bringing in a big mounts, like if these are their prized possessions, like I just always worry about yeah, a tine getting broken or just something happening. You just never know. So finally this year I had, um, a, a, a husband and wife, um, Don and Bubba Aldrin of Center, um, who reached out to me and said, Hey, we have a few. Like in their garage, they have so many hanging up. They call it their wall of shame, I think. And so they brought in a few, and one of their like relatives had passed away who had some. And so they donated some of his to us, and they they got us a few of different sizes. So it's perfect. And I've shot a few white tails that are not wall hangers by any means, and I have a student who is um, cleaning them up, doing just a quick European mount, um, basically just so they don't stink, so I can keep them. So I've slowly collected, uh, so that's hard. Sheds are great to have. If you have sheds, meaning like one antler that someone's found, those are good to talk about the anatomy, but you really can't, yes, you could score one, like you can score you know, the brow tines, 
the G1, G2, G3, and four, and so on. You can score the circumference. You can look at a typical or non-typical and typical points, but you really can't do a true antler scoring without the other antler and with it attached to something. So anyway, so they were, they were a huge help. I've slowly collected. Um, I look at garage sales, which sounds really weird. Garage sailing is basically me scouring for things for my classroom. Um, I don't know how many things I found for my classroom, just garage sailing. It's fabulous. The problem is, is people know what they have. And most of the time when they're trying to sell antlers, they're putting a price on there, knowing that someone buying them is probably going to turn around and make something out of them and make a ton of money. So I've never been lucky at finding them at, I'll find them, but people want too much money for them. So I've slowly collected. This is something, if you have a school newsletter, your school Facebook page, put that out there const constantly so you can start to collect. Um, I had four sets of white tails that we were, that we scored, one of which was a student. So that'll go back. I had kids bring in sheds, which is always great. Um, I had a student bring in her deer this year, but it was a mule, a uh, mule deer. Um, so we always have some variations every year, but it's going to be nice for me to know that I have a constant set of antlers that we can score. And we use the Boone and Crockett scoring system. So we talk about the different scoring systems. What are the purpose? Um, what are they looking for? And so then they score them using the Boone and Crockett system. Um, and then they, so they score one, they switch with a partner score and compare their, their information to see if they got it correct. Um, it's a lot of measuring. I had a few kids that were like, I don't want to do, like, I didn't realize that there's this much measuring. So it is. Um, and so we talk about like, we have big buck contests around here. And I actually had a student this year, just go to one. And she took like fifth place, um, with her mule deer. And so she talked a little bit about like what, who scored them there. And we talk about green scores. And if you want to officially score them, who scores them? Um, we talk about drawing, I think for Boone and Crockett, it's 60 days. So once you harvest that animal, it needs to sit for 60 days. That, that rack needs to sit for 60 days because there will be shrinkage um, as it dries. So you can't, I mean, you can score it at that time, but the score will change. And so, which would be side note, a really cool activity. If you could do that at that time, talk about how much shrinkage happens to a set of antlers anyway, but we talk about this, they score. And then we talk about what, like in the room, did we have a set of antlers that made it into Boone and Crockett? No. How far off were they? Okay. Why? Like, what did these antlers need more of in order to make it in? So we talk about that. Then um, one of my favorite things is like the scratch off stickers from Amazon. Look them up. They're basically like, like the gambling scratch off, right? So not gambling, but I, on a note card, write each kid's name, cover it up with a scratch off sticker, hand them out. They scratch them off with a, you know, a penny or their keys. Uh, and then that's their partner. So we pick partners. And then I, I announced to them that the center community club is hosting a big buck contest and it's their job to create a set of antlers that not only is going to win the big buck contest, but make it into Boone and Crockett. And now they know, like they know what needs to be done in order to make it into Boone and Crockett. So they are allowed to look at those antlers. Um, they're allowed to go online. They're allowed to measure as they go. So the, the materials you're going to need is I use wire hangers, which 
I ironically are kind of hard to find. I always have to go to a dry cleaner to get them. If you're better than me, you're going to probably have planned to do this way more in advance. You could probably order them online. I never do because I don't know. That's just me. So I use wire hangers. They untwist them. That's how they make their main beam. Once they make their main beam, they really don't need wire to make their tines. They're required to make a typical deer. So they have to make a typical set of antlers. They should not have any non-typical points. Now they're using the skills that they learned about measuring and about how, how does an, an animal make it into Boone and Crockett. And that's what they're trying to replicate. We, this year, I gave them a value. I think it was two and a quarter inches across. They drilled holes and they mounted them in because that's the thing is, in there, they get a, uh, a spread credit because they're not actually mounted to a skull. So you got to give them all the same spread credit because that's the distance between the two inside main beams and the point to point. Um, so we're just doing that. But we this year mounted them into a piece of wood just to give them, I don't know. Some kids are like asking if they can paint them. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Um, but yeah, so they're going to make as a group these set of antlers and we always talk about Boone and Crockett requires symmetry so then they are really working hard at measuring each time is the left brow tine the same as the right brow tine uh, in length in circumference like all of that uh, and so when they're done we actually score them again and then have a big buck contest um, and see who who is the biggest buck and who and if anybody makes it into the Boone and Crockett so super fun. Only my second time doing it. They're really, oh, you need newspaper. So collect newspaper ahead of time. That's another thing. Like put it out there. Like, Hey people, I need newspaper. So you can have a bunch of it, um, on hand. So I have, I have 10 kids in that class. So, um, and there are groups of two. So gives you an idea, but yeah. So, I mean, that's basically it. Um, I think when we're done, since some of them asked to paint it, I really do think we will. And then maybe even label some. Um, and I might try to keep a few just for like anatomy purposes when we talk about the growth. And then I think we're also going to talk about, um, and I don't have this planned yet, um, so I can't share it yet, but um, maybe somebody does and they're going to hear this and save the day and send it to me. But we're also going to talk about um, just kind of the life cycle, like of deer antlers, you know, cause they shed their antlers um, and, and they go into velvet. And we're gonna talk about that. And I think we're gonna make um, bracelets, the bead bracelets that represent um, the different par parts of their cycle uh, in their antler growth and, and talk about that. So yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited. Um, we've seen a lot, of, a lot of changes from the last time we've did it. So I, I like that, but. Yeah, I'm excited to see it all done. Cause it's something I wanna do, but um this is my first year teaching wildlife so it's been just me trying to figure things out that I want to teach and I have some students who are really interested in in hunting and they enjoy it so um definitely something I want to do with my students too um so the last thing that Nikki and I wanted to talk about a little bit is this really cool opportunity that we have um with NASA to do an experiment and um I had originally met Peter Webb, the founder of Mars Farm, 
at NAAE convention in person last year in Anaheim and had been really interested in wanting to purchase a Mars farm. Well, no, technically two years. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really had wanted to purchase a Mars farm kit. It didn't work out last year just with me transitioning out of my school. And um, when we had connected, it was like the end of January. And it was kind of like when COVID was first starting to become a thing. So just didn't really work out. But I had contacted him again because I had received a grant, a STEM grant to purchase a kit from him. So I contacted him about it and we met via Zoom. And um, if you haven't met Peter, he's an awesome guy really like helpful and everything for you know being the founder of this company but um we had met and i had expressed that i wanted to do this project with the mars farm with my seventh eighth and ninth graders and he kind of introduced me to this growing beyond earth project and um, that's kind of how it all came into play and i had told nikki about it um, and she was able to sign up kind of last minute too so it's something that both of us are doing this spring that we're really excited about um, essentially what we are doing, we are growing, we're both doing bok choy, but we got to pick what different, um, I guess, vegetables. Which for those of you that don't know what bok choy is, I didn't. Some of my kids knew what it was. Can you believe that? Like Cameron right away was like, oh, bok choy, it's cabbage. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, well, if you eat like Chinese food and stuff like that. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I mean, anyway, I had to Google it. So for those of you like me who didn't know, um, it is it is a Chinese cabbage that a lot of times are found in like egg rolls. So side note, a little yeah, so horticulture knowledge for you today. Nikki and I are growing, or both growing bok choy and we um, are kind of doing the same test with white, but we also got to um, decide if we were going to test like different fertilizers, um, different light, and then... Like kind of light spectrum and light, like intense, like the time light. Yeah, the like the photo period. Yeah, uh, photo period. But we both chose to do the different like colors of light, but I am doing the blue light spectrum. And Nikki, remind me again what color you're doing. We're doing the red. Okay. So yeah, essentially it's a 28 day trial and we record all of our like results, our data. Um, and then we actually report it to NASA and they use that information to like basically help decide what they're going to grow at the International Space Center because they don't have really like the time or the space to do like all of these different trials. So there's schools all across the country that basically are doing the tests for them. And then every month we also get to meet with NASA scientists to like ask questions and our students can be a part of it too, which if I'm you're wondering if I've geeked out so hard, yes, I have, because I love things NASA. I except I'm afraid of space. So fun fact, everybody, space kind of creeps me out. But I'm so excited about this, and I was excited that I got to kind of sign up last minute. I have a few kids that are so pumped, um, which is so fun because they're like nerdy like me, and. We, so Brianna and I initially, like, we're going to do something completely different, but I don't know, fertilizer tests are like, meh, I don't know. I think that's normal around here. So I really like the light spectrum too, but we now can compare data because you're only going to get to grow, what is it? Six plants in the Mars farm. 
So we kind of figured like if we grow both bok choy, but a different light spectrum, then that way, like our kids, I mean, there's an opportunity for a few of our students to like share data with, you know, a few of the Wapiton kids. Well, come to find out, we have a ton of ag teacher friends doing it too. So I'm like really excited to get the opportunity to share with them, like Kim, Melanie, who else is doing it? Um, Rick, Taylor, I feel like there's somebody else. Oh, Casey, all doing it. So I'm excited to be able to kind of have the opportunity to share with their programs too, um, kind of the results that we're all getting. And I know a few of them, like I know Rick, um, he's doing bok choy as well, but I think he's doing the blue light spectrum. So now we'll get Brianna's kids doing blue light, his kids doing blue light, my kids doing red light. I mean, so it's just an, a great opportunity to share and compare data. So, well, and to have that collaboration too, yeah, with other programs and teachers. And um, at the end of it, we actually, not all of our students, but I guess a select number um, that are kind of the presentation group will get to present their findings to actual NASA scientists. And I think I'm with my kids because I'm doing it with seventh, eighth, and ninth graders. Um, I think I'm going to do like a competition and then we, we vote on who we feel like should be like our class representatives, but um, the different like scientist chat that chats that they have for us um, in central time, we're at like three o'clock. So I'm going to involve, I think a lot of the middle school because that's during our like end of the day, my time, we call it. So I was going to forward that information to all of the different my times. So that way, like other kids can be involved with it too. And we can make it like a big deal. Yeah. Um, That's what we're doing. Um, actually, thank, thankfully my counselor, one of the other science teachers, um, my student teacher, Hannah, they're going to facilitate it while I'm still in class and kids who want to go can go that way. It's just they hook up one computer, they can monitor the chat. So we don't have to worry about kids like, I don't know, being like silly in the chat. Um, and they can type in the kids' questions in there. And yeah, so I'm inviting seven through 12th graders to go and we're just having it to be kids because it is during a class period. So the kids who are interested in, in it. Um, and if they're not interested, then they just stay in class and that's okay. So I'm excited. I'm hoping it's, it's good content. Um, they had so many great pictures at like our teacher meeting, like pictures of like the veggie system that is kind of what we're replicating um, in the International Space Station. And I don't know, I have, I have a few sophomore kids and like a, a senior who um, wanna present and I'm like, go for it. Like, so they're gonna work on it outside of school. Um, and so they're not going to have class time to do it, but they're going to come in outside of school and collect the same data along with the students in my classes that are taking data and they're going to prepare for the presentation. Um, and I was okay with that because they're going to do it all outside of school time. Might as, you know, might as well. And, and they're really into that kind of stuff. So, um, and I'm hoping if we continue it in the future, you know, the kids that have participated will work, you know, want to work up to that too. So, and we're doing a cross-curricular activity with this with the science department so I don't have all of the eighth graders right now I only have a like half of them so we're going to actually bring them down during their science period to collect data so I'm excited 
um, about that opportunity. So they all get the chance to participate in the, in the research. So um, I just hope we get good data. Right. Yeah. We get six little bok choys so they, (laughs) they gotta survive. So Um, if you want to follow along with it, um, growing at growing beyond earth on Twitter is where a lot of the information will come from. And then it's also like a partnership with um, Fairchild garden out of Florida. So those are kind of the two different places to follow. Um, They have different openings every single year, but I believe the ones that are already involved in the program kind of get first dibs to do it again, but definitely follow along with both of those different groups if that's something that you want to do in the future. I know they started in the fall as well. So that could be an opportunity for next year for you and your students to do. For sure. Yeah. So follow along with us and definitely if there's an opportunity that we hear of where people can sign up, like we'll definitely share it out there because I mean, if Brianna wouldn't have stumbled upon it, like we wouldn't have known. And so we're excited. We're excited about it. Um, I'm excited that I got included because I would have had just lived vicariously through Brianna and her kids. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be super fun. And it gives like a cool opportunity for my student teacher who's there right now. And she's pumped about it. So all the good things are happening, but um, yeah. So check out the show notes for the dogless dog show, the big buck STEM challenge and um, the PVC deer feeder. If you have information about any of those activities you've done in your classroom, um, tag us, uh, share this episode with somebody that you know would benefit. We hope to update the folders with some pictures as our kids kind of move through these projects, uh, and get you some more information. Um, but yeah, so tag friends, uh, if this episode, um, would be helpful to them. And we'd love if you review here by the Owl podcast and like always, uh, if you have any future topic ideas or you just want to be a guest, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you.